comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. recording and this is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and as always <laughs> doesn't apply this week because <laughs> Abe is not actually here. Abe is sitting this one out this week which uh, well you know everyone needs a break sometimes and we like Abe but you know you know so anyway out now is a film podcast which has Abe and I usually discussing new movies weekly. We also bring in a little discussion about the latest movie trailers, box office results and predictions, a retro review that has to do with the main film of the week, games and other fun stuff. The main film of the week is The Artist, and um, joining me to discuss The Artist is a writer for Things You Wanted to Know About the Movies and Movie Smackdown, Adam Gentry. Yo, yo, yo. From Fast Film Reviews, Mark Hoban. Hey, everybody. And this other guy that people tend to enjoy sometimes, Alan Aguilera. Hello, hello. <laughs> Great. How's everyone doing? Respond at once. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, fine. Okay, this is episode 38, and as I said, we're covering The Artist this week, the new silent film from director Michelle Hazanavicious. And um, let's see, a few announcements, well, just one big an- one announcement. Um, in the coming weeks, out now, we'll be having a few kind of bonus episodes coming your way via the uh, Walking Dead TV podcast, actually. So uh, be on the lookout for those. I'll, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be up, and there's, there's some pretty cool... Uh, Pretty cool little bonus shows I got planned, so yeah, that'll that'll happen in the, the coming time. But anyway, let's move on to Know Everybody, where each week we try to get to know everybody a little bit better and kind of set the tone for this podcast. And so each of us are going to ask each other some questions, and let's uh, start with Alan. Oh, okay. Adam. Yes, sir. If you could pick one contemporary actor-actress to star in another major silent film, who would it be? Hmm. Did that make sense at all? Yeah, it it okay, makes good, perfect good. sense. Just the, the sad um, thing is that I, I am not an authority on silent films. But a master of physical comedy would be. I'd like to see Brad Pitt in a silent film or two. I think he's got the right face for it. I think he, I think he could communicate effectively in that medium. As for which film I'd put him in, I can't think of a specific film that I'd put him in, but I think that he might be one of those. Or, or even someone like uh, Clooney as well. I think well, Clooney's a much better pick. Let's go with Clooney. Well, no, because now I want to see I want to see Brad Pitt do the most eating I've ever seen in a silent film. So you know, it'd be some intense, some intense eating. He could play Clooney's like boss who sits behind a desk and eats all the time. Those are great answers, Adam. An also acceptable answer would have been Mel Gibson in Birth of a Nation. Jesus Christ! That would have been been remarkable, Alan. I'm so glad you answered your own question and didn't need me. You see. This is why I need Abe, because he could put some authority down on this. <laughs> okay. Adam. Okay. All right. Let's go with Mark. Is the name of Stephen Daldry's new film extremely loud and incredibly close, or incredibly loud and extremely close? Uh, and first... what's your favorite Stephen Daldry picture? Okay. So it was the first one that you said, right? Well, I'm asking you. Do you know what I'm, 
It was. <laughs> you're you're extremely you're loud and incredibly close. Which I always get like confused with that. I just wanted to know if I was alone with that. I get confused. Yes. By I know. I get confused all the time. I would say my favorite Stephen Daldry movie would probably be Billy Elliot. Yeah. It was actually the first film I saw of his, and I actually saw they changed they took that film and made it into a a play, and I actually saw that as well. So yeah, I'll go with Billy Elliot. Did you enjoy the play? Yes, I know. Does that I, good? I did I enjoy the it. play. It was good. Yeah, I liked it. Um, just, just for people who don't know, he also did The Hours and The Reader. And I actually enjoyed both of those films as well. But uh, Billy Elliot would probably be my favorite. That's okay, Aaron, yes. this one's going to be a little tough. Because we're doing The Artist this week and it's a silent film, do you have a favorite silent film? Do I have a favorite silent film? Um, I really I really enjoy Metropolis quite a bit, actually. Oh, um, that's yeah. my favorite. That's my favorite. You were hoping he was going to say that, weren't you? I love that film. Um, it, and is Superman in it? Because <laughs> the general's pretty good, too. Nosferatu's really good. Ooh. Well, somebody mentioned Birth of a Nation. <laughs> yeah, that was me. I'm not going to lie. I almost bought it on Blu-ray the other day. Because I suppose Passion of Joan of Arc. The Golem. The Golem's a really good one. And any of those Chaplin movies, like Modern Times, is really good. Yeah, see, I was thinking, I was thinking that, but but the general, that's a good movie. <laughs> it is, no, it is. Yeah. The Great Dictator, that one's a good one. And then there's Mel Gibb, there's Mel, sorry, there's Mel Brooks' silent movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you, would you count Fantasia as a silent film? Game changer. Ooh. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't count it as. That. I mean, I'm not asking. I know because it's not from that era, and it's not. But there's dia- there's dialogue in the uh, inter- intermediary. Oh, there you go. Yeah. What am I thinking? I was way off on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll stick around Metropolis and the general. That's right. All right. Um, That's a handsome choice. Alan. Good choice. Yes. Michelle Hazanavicious. Great mm-hmm. name or greatest name? Frenchest name. Frenchest name. Um, uh, it's a really good name. It's a great name. I can't. I still can't say it. I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> okay. Okay. Very commendable. I've heard them say it multiple times. I just can't do it. Michelle Hazanavicious. 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 Sounds nice. I enjoy it. Okay. All right, Mark, the artist. Does it make you hate the French any less? <laughs> it, People should know yes. Mark's, Mark's intense hatred of the French before he saw yes. the artist. I can just feel it. So palpable. So the way the question is odd, but yes, I it makes yes. me like them less. I I appreciate the French even more. I, I think actually this has been a great year for the French. I'm also going to mention Midnight in Paris and also Hugo as great films that reminded me of Paris. So I'm actually, I'm very pro-France France this year. Okay, Adam. Yes, sir. Malcolm McDowell is in The Artist in a small part. What is your favorite Malcolm McDowell film? Oh, that's not even tough. Star Trek Generations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were going to say A Clockwork Orange. I'm being completely serious. Star Trek Generations, he, he's one of the single best villains in any Star Trek film is Dr. Soren. This guy who tasted paradise for a, a moment and is willing to spend the rest of his life and sacrifice any number of other people's lives to get it back. Um, it's a fantastic performance, and he indirectly kills Captain Kirk. So, I mean, what more do you want? Okay, so my next question is for... I'm going to go with Aaron. Yeah. So, this is going to sound very weird, but if you listen to the question in context, I think you're going to get it. In a jerk-off... Between Scott Rudin and Harvey Weinstein, who wins? Harvey Weinstein. 
Despite despite Why? the despite the um despite the things that Harvey's known for in terms of the jerkier sense, he's also you know been responsible for bringing us a lot of you know fantastic. Like we have the artist because he was able to pick up that movie. I mean, Scott Rudin. What what is he? What has he brought us? Wait. No country for old men. Wait, so would you... there will be blood. Uh, yeah, but I, 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 was, I don't. I don't feel like Scott Rudin would be responsible for these things, though, in the same way that Harvey. Weinstein's I was really just trying to get you to tell me who is the biggest jerk and why. But I understand that you know it was a little bit cringing. I guess I know. I don't know the background of them. Are there, is there like a lot of? Oh, they're horrible. They're horrible people. They're producers. Oh. They're cutthroats. That's their job to be that. Oh, way. <laughs> oh, Mark, that movie Swimming with Sharks, that Kevin Space movie, it's based so, off of Scott Rudin. Oh, okay. Okay, Mark. Yes, I'm right here. Would, would you purchase the artist audiobook? <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's a very it's one of those thought provoking questions. I probably would not no. Because okay. there really wouldn't be much to to listen to. Okay, well that's how we do know everybody. So let's move on to trailer talk. So the first trailer. <laughs> listen. We like to joke around here on Out Now. We have a lot of fun. But there's there's serious things going on. And that's what this this first trailer I'm going to talk about reflects because the Farley brothers have made a lot of funny movies, but they they're, they're we've got the, the Three Stooges trailer this week came out and um, you know it looks it looks pretty in, pretty intense. It stars of uh, Sean Hayes, Will Sasso, and uh, Chris Diamatopoulos. It's what a film adaptation of the Three Stooges would look like, I guess. But let's let someone else go into this. I believe Mark had something to say about this. I I know that there's, I've heard there's a lot of hate toward this trailer, and this movie did go through a lot of development hell, and it, a lot of different actors were finally atta- were attached to it, and they finally, you know, uh, 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 set on these three. To be to be I clear, actually... we had uh, Jim Carrey, Sean Penn, and Benicio del Toro was like the lineup for a while, which was very right. intriguing to me. <laughs> that right. was insane. <laughs> And anyway. it sounded like it was going to be almost like a prestige picture. And now, you know, we've got the three that you've mentioned. But I have to, okay, I'm going to, overall, the movie, the trailer looks bad. It doesn't look like a good, it doesn't look like a good movie. But I am going to give it a little bit of love. First of all, Will Sasso as Curly, he actually does a good job, I think, of portraying that character. So I actually, I got a little bit out of his performance from the trailer. And I did laugh at the part where the three babies show up on the doorstep in the beginning of the trailer and the one little baby that has the full head of hair like Mo. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I thought that was funny. So I, I got a little bit out of it. But yeah, overall, it, it looks, it doesn't look very good. I think it's a desecration. I, I, <laughs> I laughed, but I'm not proud of it. Now, okay, are you a Three Stooges fan? I am a bit of a Three Stooges fan. What, what did I'm, you I'm, expect a Three Stooges movie to look like? That's a good point. Because I, because I, I, personally, no, I'm not yeah. a Three Stooges fan. So if I'm going to watch the Three Stooges, I really don't want to see like a giant lobster creature attacking Curly's genitals. I mean, that, that's, I'd that's rather just, to me that seems like something that happens with the Three Stooges. They get insane but, injuries but happening. But to... they wouldn't have had. It, it's too high tech for the Stooges. The Stooges are very low tech, very simple. You know, we don't have well, all this. It's a, it's a rubber lobster. Yeah. What's more than a rubber lobster? I like. I, okay. I don't. I, I don't think in the original Three Stooges they would have a nun come out of the water wearing a bathing suit. Different, so that different, was different times. 
that's, that's why they stopped making movies because they didn't do that. But that's part of what makes the three sisters so great is that they're so specifically of that time and place. It fits. It, it's I, complete. It's of a piece. So do you think it would have been better if they had said it in the past? I think it's better just to not make it. That, let the work the stand answer. on its own. Like the, the, this three Stooges movies would have been a perfect double bill back in 94 with Little Rascals. <laughs> but we're way past that now. Because the remake of Little Rascals made sense and it was fun for kids. This, I don't know who they're trying to get because the they have like, um, there's a cameo from the people from the Jersey Shore. And I pretty much guarantee you that the uh, guys who and women who are watching the Jersey my, Shore. My answer to that, of who they were trying to get, is the same, the same audience that went to go and see the Muppets. I mean, people that want that nostalgia factor plus new kids and fans that can that can jump into it. Yeah, but the Muppets is better. And I, uh, the only, you should, I Aaron, to, shame on you for putting the Muppets I, I, in the, That's the, that's truth, though. I mean, what, what, audience, what audience is going for it? I mean, it's the people, Mark Hoban, you smack him down. It's pe- you go, people, people that have that same nostalgic <laughs> relationship to the Three Stooges that they would have to the Muppets, as well as a new audience of people that can attach but, themselves to it. But those baby boomers who grew up with the Muppets and some people who like the old class, I've seen Muppet. I'm sorry. I, dang, I've seen Three Stooges. And I'm not that big of a fan. And I was curious about this movie when they had the original pedigree. Because I thought it was going to be more of a behind-the-scenes look at the Three Stooges. And not the trash that was presented to me. And if this was the original idea for it, because it made me watch... Like a biopic type of thing. Yeah, that's what I thought they were going for. Yeah, I always knew it was going to be just a a regular Three Stooges movie, not a biopic version. That's absolutely insane to me. Because I rewatched the trailer imagining those three actors in those roles. And how bizarre that entire movie Yeah, see, that movie does seem more appealing to me. I definitely don't feel like... I don't want to see this movie and know the trailer doesn't look good to me. No. But I don't I don't feel like I saw a trailer that represented anything that's not what the Three Stooges movie was going to look like to me when I first heard about it. But if you anticipated trash and you got trash, are you saying you should be grateful that you got what you were hoping for? I anticipated trash, but this is like the trash juice at the bottom of the trash. <laughs> it's something it you just don't want to touch. Are you just saying it doesn't deserve to be mentioned in the same sentence with trash? Yes. There you go. I don't know which one disappoints me more, this or Jack and Jill. No, Jack, Jack and Jill. No. Yeah, no, that's pretty bad. I'm sorry. No, we, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the three suitors together. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's Wait, spend more time on this than we are So let's uh, move. I, I think it does fit, though, because we're talking about the artist and this time period thing. That's why I chose it. But um, the ba- Battleship is our next movie, and this fits because it's um, the, the complete opposite of what the artist is. But luckily, it's not in 3D. Anyway, Battleship, we've talked about it before. Alan and I and Abe have. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, since it's you know basically behind Avengers and Dark Knight Rises, our most anticipated movie of 2012, uh-huh. and it, it surpassed Avengers at this point. Sorry, go it surpassed Avengers. You wanted you wanted to just go for it. You want to keep going on it? Oh yeah, this uh, things go boom. <laughs> so the new uh, Battleship trailer came out more of a full length, not so much a teaser. Uh, it looks absolutely asinine. Looks ridiculous, and it looks like a whole lot of fun during the summer. Uh, Peter Berg prior director of The Kingdom and actor from Great White Hype and other assortments. Great White Hype. There's the reference we're going for. (laughs) I like that movie. So Battleship stars uh, Riggins. Tim uh, Riggins. Taylor Taylor Kitsch. On the uh, same show as friend of the show, Kyle Chandler. Go on. Yes, correct. Correct. And also Liam Neeson, uh, Rihanna and her dumb haircut and a number of other things. Eric from True Blood. I think we need. Yes, yes, yes. Eric Norseman from True Blood. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Um, Essentially, aliens come to Earth, and then the U.S. Navy has to fight them, and explosions happen, and it looks really expensive, and it looks like a blast. And I'm really excited to see this movie. And I have zero expectations of how good a movie is going to be. This is kind of the opposite for Three Stooges. Three Stooges, I just don't think fits 
for the dumb lowest common denominator in the right kind of way, where I think Battleship aims for the lowest common denominator, those people who just want to go and have a good time, get from point A to point B, but does it in a way that's a spectacle, takes a, Peter Berg takes advantage of the money he's it, you get used using. It's, it looks like a fun nonsense movie like a Fast Five it, or a team. Yeah, it, it's interesting because Peter Berg seems like he was channeling Michael Mann for his past couple films, and now like apparently he's joined to channel Michael Bay for this movie because this very much... It very yes. much has all the ingredients of a Bay yes. blockbuster. And exactly. I can, yeah, this trailer is ridiculous, just like the first one was. And there's so, the, there's there's aliens in a Battleship movie. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> in the game of Battleship, now there are apparently aliens. And what, what, I can't wait worse, to get that movie tie-in. What, um, yeah, the toys will be amazing for this. Yeah. What, what, what really gets me, what really makes me happy is that finally we'll get to see Hawaii take on some destruction. They think they've been so cozy chilling outside the continental U.S. that they can't have aliens taking out their city. But now they're in for it, right? Am I right? <laughs> yeah, that's not an allegory. <laughs> what's, what's worse? I mean, the idea that you have aliens in a battleship movie or the fact that you have a battleship movie? The only thing that was missing from this trailer is Liam Neeson's release the Kraken moment where he would have said, they've sunk our battleship. They should have had that in the trailer. I don't know why they didn't. Like, I don't know what, what movie they're trying not to sell by not having Well, parts. like... Like in Avengers, they're not saying Avengers Assemble in the trailer. Not yet. We we haven't got we haven't got a full trailer yet. I really hope they don't because I'm paying my ticket to see that movie, <laughs> and to see someone say that line. But in Battleship, you got to wait and you got to build their crescendo in the at the end of the third act or at the end of the second act when all hope is lost and you say they sunk my battleship. That's and it. And it just builds. And the third act just builds upon that line. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be so much fun. I just hope they don't take it too... I don't think he's taking it too seriously, so it should work out. Yeah, no, this movie doesn't look serious, that's for sure. No, at all, at all. As long as... as I'm okay with a movie where I know the auteur or the director or the team behind it is just having fun with the film. And as long as their intentions are that, I understand. But if you're trying to make a serious film and try to give me a message and it ends up looking something along the lines of a Fast Five or something like that, then I have a problem Like Pearl Harbor. Yes, exactly. Sorry, Adam. La, la, la. Anyway, oh, Lord. to move on, uh, Battleship comes out May 18th, 2012, right before Memorial Day, so be prepared for that one. And um, The Three Stooges comes out uh, for April 13th, so right around Easter, right when you'd want to see The Three Stooges movie. <laughs> we got a first here for out now. We're going to do a little trailer talk callback, and I believe, Adam, you have some reference to make to an episode from the past here, so why don't you set that up for It is a blast from the recent past. Um, a few weeks ago, we were discussing the trailer for Mirror Mirror, and the podcast, I believe, had a record number of guests, and we were all, in record numbers, haha, bagging on the soccer because it looked so horrible. Well, Mirror Mirror, to clear up, Mirror Mirror is the uh, the new one of the new Snow White films that's coming out next March, and it's directed by Tarsum, who recently did The Immortals. Yeah, it, it was very mortal, and yeah. <laughs> anyway... Um, a friend of a friend, who is an industry insider of sorts, saw an early cut of Mirror Mirror and had a chance to speak with him. And he was telling me that, yeah, it's exactly what we said it was. It has major tonal problems. It's, um, it's all over the place. You know, you've got some slapstick, then you have, you know, some serious dramatic stuff. And it, they're, they're kind of pushed up against each other, so you're not sure if you're supposed to be enjoying yourself or you're supposed to be, you know, kind of getting into the, the pathos of the moment and whatnot. It's, 
it's kind of a mess. He said the performances are bad. Um, Julia Roberts, America's sweetheart. But yeah, apparently she sucks in this movie too. And um, he did say the one bright spot was the casting of uh, Army Hammer as the prince. He said, but aside from that, it is a just a ter- terrible clunker. So we apparently all have psychic powers because we called it. And so far, unless they make some major revisions, it's in trouble. I think, Mark, you made a specific call about that film. Yes, Adam, I said that uh, Julia Roberts is going to get the Raspberry, at least a nomination for Worst Performance. I remember I that. Yeah, you did. Yes. That. So I, I'm still I, I'm promoting that. that I, I can't wait. It's going to be a while. We're going to have to wait for that uh, to come true. But the campaign has begun. It. I, I wrote the note down. I have it in, in record that, Mark, you made that prediction. Oh, really? Oh, good. I'm glad somebody was taking notes. That's, that's how I roll. Speaking of rolling, let's uh, roll on with this movie review for um, The Artist. That, that's that's enough that's enough of that trailer uh that's that's a little bit of the trailer for the artist the new silent film silent film by uh director writer michelle hazanovicius starring jean dujardin as george valentin a popular silent film star in uh, 1927 los angeles who is he's quite popular and as he's making all his films and on the on the top of the world he runs into a aspiring actress named peppy miller played by berenice bejo and she kind of they the two develop sort of a sort of a sort of a relationship they kind of just develop, develop a friendship and admiration of sorts from afar and uh, Pepe manages to make her way into one of George Valentine's films and she starts to make her way up the up the ranks in the credits and as the years pass by the the era of the talkies starts to come in and replaces silent films and as this happens, George Valentine become well. He's a little too stubborn to kind of move on to to the talkie film format, and kind of sticks with silent films and kind of goes down the wayside. While Pepe Miller becomes a very famous Hollywood star, and the film becomes uh, sort of a, a romance, a, a film about, about growth and whatnot, and how the times are a changing. So, with all that said, I'm going to start with Adam. What did you think of the artist? Well, I have a feeling that I'm going to be a bit of a dissenter today. Um, I quite liked the film. I did. I think it's it's a strong piece. I I was I'm amazed amazed that at, in 2011, one of the most talked about films of the year is a silent film in, in black and white from France. I mean that's astounding to me given the technological sophistication of a lot of films that are that are popular in this country that we would have that um i think you know overall it's it's a, it's a very strong film it's very likable it's kind of a bit of a puppy dog of a movie 
Um, I, I think it's a little bit long. I think it goes on a bit, uh, particularly towards the end. I kept feeling like it was trying to get somewhere that it never quite did. Um, and I have some problems with the ending, with some of the character choices. I think that the main character, some of what he does is laughable, if not a little bit maddening. I don't think it's authentic in, in that regard. Um, but I think the actual ending, like the final scene and whatnot, it's it's just lovely and, and, and beautiful and whatnot. But I, I do have some reservations about this film, although I liked it. Uh, I definitely did like it. We'll get into that a little bit later, I guess. But uh, let's move on to Alan. What did you think of the film? I loved it. Um, I, I think this year is a year of nostalgia between this film, going back to the silent film, then you have Hugo and you have the Muppets and you have Super 8 and a lot of old films that are just kind of stringing back, a lot of new films that are stringing back older films and kind of how it's stirring something inside of a lot of film goers that just kind of reminds you how good films were. And what the artist did is that it reminded me how fantastic a lot of silent films were. I'm not a huge silent film aficionado. I like silent films. I just never really was able to get into them as much as I was into my French New Wave or other genres of film that I just got caught up with. But this film just kind of made me smile from the beginning to the end. Um, I love a good, a good dance number in a movie. I love it when dance is used as a way of communicating between two characters. And there's a number of scenes like that in this film. And I enjoy, I enjoyed that a, a great deal. I think it's a strongly made film. Um, there were certain choices in the film that Adam was saying that I agree with. Um, the beginning of the film was very focused on it being a movie within a movie where when he was doing the silent film and acting in a silent film, you can kind of tell he was playing it up with the camera. And when it stopped, it, he went into his normal mode. But the thing that was fascinating to me is that towards the end of the film, you, it almost kind of blurred the line with the main character where it, he almost was acting in a silent film instead of just being himself as an old silent film actor. And I kind of had some trouble with a couple of those choices, as Adam was saying. Um, I don't think it's a perfect film, but I do love it, and it's one of my favorites of the year. And... I, I'll vouch for it. It's one of the few films I will actually love and be able to say you should go watch this. Yeah, I thought it was an extraordinary film. Um, it's definitely one of my my favorites of the year. Um, I'm a big old time movie fan, not not so much a silent film fan, but I do love old movies, particularly from the 40s and the 50s. And uh, I thought it kind of brought out that nostalgia of old films. I thought that the um, the contrast of the black and white film and the way it was shot was was beautiful and you know because we don't even have sound in this film I think a lot of the visual cues of light light and shadows and things are much more important because you don't have that sound so expressions and and the performances and you know in a year where we're talking about the possibility that uh, Jean Desjardins is going to be nominated for best actor in a film where he doesn't speak and, and no one else speaks I thought was it, it it really speaks to how expressions and the way that people have to act uh, is so important. So I really like that about the film. Um, and I do think this is actually, to, for the most part, with a few exceptions, I think this is better than most silent films because it presents them sort of not as they really exist today for us, but as we imagine them to be. So you don't have, like, uh, jumpy or rushed actions or, you know, the... There's not missing frames from the film or the deteriorated quality that we see from films, but they present the film as it probably existed for people of the era of the 1920s, 
that saw silent films. So we kind of sort of appreciate it from that perspective. So I, I just, I really liked it a lot. Um, I thought and, the story, and Mark, this was a rare yeah. five star review from you, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. It's probably the only movie I gave five stars this year. Um, I might have given no. I think I gave the Muppets four and a half. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I, no, I I really I I liked it, and I I know I I do think the narrative is is in a certain sense you you explained it, um, Aaron, when you were discussing it. It's fairly simple. I mean, it's it's kind of like you know the contrasting career trajectories of two different stars and. It's it's not particularly deep, but I thought I just love the idea of a silent film in 2011, and the fact that the film was really good just is you know that much better. So yeah, overall I, I was I was very um, I was very pleased with it. Yeah, Mark, I pretty much agree with everything that you have to say about the film. I really loved it as well, and um, I think the most rewarding thing I got out of it was the performances, um, particularly from. Well, everybody, actually. I really liked all the actors in this film. And this film, along with Jean Dujardin and Berenice Bejo, they got John Goodman, James Cromwell, Missy Pyle, Penelope Ann Miller, Malcolm McDowell. Like, you have this assortment of of character actors and just really good people to see who have, like, a very... They they have great faces and great kind of ways of acting that make them well-suited for silent films. And that was what I was, like, very impressed by with this film, especially the two leads. We're watching them watching them having been informed on what the silent film era is watching them as actors try to portray people that are within a silent film and then watching them play actors playing actors within silent films like it's very interesting to see them going to those to those reach reaching for that kind of level of of acting for this kind of movie for the for what's required of them in this role and you have someone like John Goodman who can put on a big smile or have great reactions to things. And it's John Goodman. So like, it seems very fitting for this movie. And, but then you have, you have like the leads, you have, um, Berenice Bejo, who's like, she's playing, she's playing this actress named Peppy Miller. And it's a perfect name for her character. Like it, everything she does just like sparks on screen. She's, she's, it's, it's very, she's very outgoing. It's fun to watch her, watch her on this, in this movie. Fun to see her, acting and dancing and doing things and the same especially goes to Jean Dujardin who's he's a, he has to do a lot with this role of playing both like a from a comedic standpoint he's playing up a lot of his character like especially early on then from a dramatic standpoint like the film is very much it's very much a melodrama in how the story is kind of presented but these actors were so likable the film as a whole is very it's so likable it very much had me smiling throughout so much of it just because of how these performances worked for me in this film and also with um, how Hazanovich has made this movie, like it's really, it was really interesting to to watch this movie, knowing that it's a movie that knows that it's being a silent film after the era of silent films, so it kind of knows how to approach being this way. And so because of that, there's ways like shots are kind of designed and how it kind of makes homage to the silent film era, but also kind of has some new spins on it throughout. Like it's just a lot, a lot of things that went into this movie that obviously show amount of, an amount of care towards the, towards the genre and why, like why this is why, why it's interesting to see how this all plays out and how it kind of relates to itself by being an entry into the genre and commenting on it at the same time. I just really liked a lot of, a lot of these these various elements that made me just really enjoy the movie overall. So. I thought the director really did his homework because if you look at the way that the movie was cast, it's brilliant. I mean, uh, Jean Desjardins is very physically, 
he looks like one of these swashbuckling matinee idols like Douglas Fairbanks or Clark Gable. And uh, Berenice Bejo is kind of very reminiscent of kind of like a young Joan Crawford or Janet Gaynor or something. And even like John Goodman, I don't if you guys are familiar with Broderick Crawford. He was a he was an actor. He wasn't born yesterday. He's he's physically just like that guy. So watching this film, I kept thinking of like other actors from uh, not necessarily the silent film era, but from, you know, old Hollywood. I, I just thought that physically the picture looked like something made from a long time ago. It was it was really well done. I want to weigh in on the performances. I when I found out that Berenice was married to the director, I, I was I was very sad uh, because <laughs> she should be mine. Um, but in the case of Dujardin, I mean, there's no question in my mind that if he was alive in 1927, he'd be an actor in silent films. You know, he's got the look down and whatnot. But I'm I'm not so sure his performance has a ton of range. It's very likable. Definitely, it's very likable. I mean, he's, he's going to get an Oscar nomination, there's no question in my mind. But I question how much range there is in as far as his performance goes. In, in some respects, I mean, yeah, he, he it's very melodramatic. He covers a lot of different, uh, you know, emotional bases. But it, in some respects, I wonder if it's not a bit one note uh, as far as that goes. Now, I'm just curious to get your eyes take on it. But... The way I see it is that he, the character he was playing was almost two-dimensional, too, where the big arc he has at the end is kind of, you kind of almost have to beat him over the head for that character to understand this is what you have to do. Um, so I think that maybe he was kind of playing up to how the character was reacting more so than his acting ability. It was more so the fault of the character, not, not well, the Well, whether it's the fault of the character or the fault of the actor, what, the same, you, know, you get the same result on the screen. You know. No, I know that, but I, I see that more as a character defect than I do as a actor. Not okay, gotcha. Well, you know what Adam, I mean? Like I, I blame it more on the writing than on the on the actor. Well, Adam, let me ask you: Did you? I mean, did you feel for, you know, George Valentine's, you know, his lot in life, like what happens to him in the course of the film? Did you? Did you? Were you emotionally invested in what happened to him, or no? A little bit, but not not all that much, because I mean, he was just kind of, he was kind of an idiot. I mean, he, he was, was his just, own doing. Yeah, he was a jerk and an idiot. I think he, he was kept, stubborn. You know, I mean, a jerk. That's a little. I don't, strong. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he did anything. Well, I. I okay, he, okay. He was. He was I'll narcissistic. I, I would I'll like to give you a exhibit. Exhibit A. Uh, he, I hope this isn't a spoiler. Uh, he makes a decision to fire somebody, and he does it in a cold and callous way that. Was just not right. I disagree. Okay, I disagree. No, with that. no, that's not. Oh, no. like the way he did that was more so so that gentleman would get the hint, not because he would still stick around. Not. He, oh, that, I was trying to think what you were talking about. That it was that was a friendly thing he did. Yeah. No. Yeah, he to save his friend, but he didn't. I I can't really talk about it without spoiling it. But it yeah. was rude. Yeah, yeah, at the very you can't least, feel that, but... at the very least, it was rude. And at the, at the very end, again, I, I really feel some of the character choices that he makes. Are, are even laughable, which is unfortunate. I honestly have no idea how you can interpret that as rude as the way, as the way <laughs> you decided. I, I can't comprehend this to me. I don't understand. It's almost Go like, on, Adam, when I say hello to you, am I rude? Oh, but have you said hello to me? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I maybe maybe I'm alone in my interpretation of the character in that way, but I just I didn't think he was as sympathetic as he no, was. No, actually, I, I like that scene. I thought that was, that was a very 
heartbreaking scene. I mean, he had to do it. I, well, anyway. Yeah, no, I guess we differ. I didn't think he had to do it. Um, what about the uh, the score for this film? Anything I loved it. It was almost it was the it was the dialogue for the movie. Really, it kind of yeah. was the only thing that really kept breathing life into the film. And also, when you played the trailer right now, it kind of just reminded me of moments in the film that I enjoyed and made me smile. So good job, Aaron. Thank you very much. Maybe it's, smile. It's a, rare, it's a rare example of wall-to-wall music in a, in a, in a modern film, and it, it was cool. It worked. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly the most important. I mean, not the most important, but I mean, it's a silent film, and so you you, you know you have no dialogue to pray of. So you have a lot of this, you have a score backing the entire film. It's the backbone of the film, basically. And I really did enjoy a lot of the music that came out of all this. I, I bought the soundtrack actually right after. So, I mean, how, how many films can you say that the soundtrack was almost essential to the plot? You know, of the film, so that. It, it, and it was well done. So, like every Quentin Tarantino movie, there will be Sorry. blood. There will uh, be blood. Magnolia. <laughs> I think the new dragon tat, the girl with the dragon tattoo score is two hours and eight minutes long. Mark, I, mean, I, I know what you're saying, and I agree with you. But that's all you have to go on. I, no, I don't know. I'm just thinking. Yes, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. We're just giving you a hard time. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not Dungeons denying that. Dragons uh, with bottle wall music. I'm not denying the the value of cat people putting out fire in the Inglorious Bastards. It was very brilliant, but you know. It's two two point <laughs> eight hours is the length of the girl with the dragon tattoo. So I just I have it right here. Oh, I think it's yeah. I think it's Waldemar music. Unless they edited the soundtrack. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. What did we think about the other? Because I know that as an audience, we're not used to the two leads in the film. But what did everybody else think about the other contemporary actors that we're all familiar with, like James Cromwell, Penelope uh, Miller? On that point, I, I honestly wish I saw more of Missy Pyle in this film, mainly because she has a, yeah. she has a very expressive face, and in particular, she has very she has particular eyebrows. Like it's a, it's an actress I always notice because she has. She has she has, her her eyebrows are the thing that kind of like cue me into oh it's Missy Pyle in this film, and um, she plays basically uh, another lead actress to to George Valentine's characters and stuff in his in his films, and we only kind of get a f- maybe only just one scene with with her as she kind of she she's she's character George Valentine in the film early on he's very much a hogger of the spotlight he very much recognizes mm-hmm. the fame that he has and there's a scene that involves him and uh, missy pile as constance's co-lead and she's waiting for him to bring her on stage and he just he's taking all the time in the world and not giving her the great giving her the he's not giving her the chance to be received by the audience as well and i i kind of wish i saw more 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 of her character more of that relationship i, I oh, think Ahead, I was going to say, I think John Goodman, James Cromwell, Missy Pyle, and uh, Penelope Ann Miller, uh, they need to give their agents a raise. I mean, the, I don't know what the circumstances are that permitted these four to appear in this exquisitely made French film, but, um, you know, the, none of those people have done anything of note in, in, a, in a very long time. I, I mean, I, I know John whoa, Goodman's done some... Whoa. Whoa. John Good John Goodman's whoa, whoa. done some voiceover work, but it's been a while since those actors have done much. John Goodman's on Community right now. He was in, he's been well, you know, he's in Red State. I mean, the, the single the single uh, best okay, most consistent performance in the entire film though has got to go to Augie. That dog. Oh yeah. I forgot about yeah, the dog. Oh he is probably that's the that's the best performance in the film. If Andy Serkis can get its best lead actors uh Oscar for uh, Planet of the Apes this year, then Augie needs one for Best Supporting Actor because that dog was the heart of the movie. And honestly, yeah. Penelope Ann Miller's been living off the relic money <laughs> like for a while, so she doesn't really need to make another movie. And I, I'm not even like a crazy dog person, but I'm watching the movie like, yeah, bring the, the dog. He's gonna do that thing he does. 
Oh, that relic money. And and that's kind of like you see <laughs> old movies where like pets like Rin Tin Tin was like a star of the past, and you you don't see like you know animals like that being. And this Uggy was like that. Was he could have? I mean, I'd like to see him in more films. He's like a classic Benji. <laughs> yes, he could be Benji exactly. Maybe I can get his autograph someday. Rin Tin Tin, Benji, and now Uggy. No, no, there was that one scene where um, where he signed for the dog on the autograph and just put paw. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever it was. It was really oh, funny. Oh, oh, speaking of that scene, I, I want to point out two particular moments in the film that I thought were really, really lovely. Um, there's a scene where Berenice um, puts her arm through George Valentine's jacket to kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of... And it's... It's a it's it's a lovely moment and it's crazy because the way that it comes through it it makes you feel like you're watching some kind of visual effect like mm-hmm. you, you feel like you shouldn't be seeing what you're seeing like it's not possible but it's absolutely absolutely lovely um, I loved that moment and another m- thing I really liked too was the one of the movies within a movie the film that George Valentine makes um, on his own dollar I can't remember the name of the film. It was uh, the, the uh, tears of uh, the jungle something. or something like that. It was it was something to that effect. But it has there's this wonderful scene where Berenice's character, uh, Peppy Miller, goes to the theater to see his film. She's sitting in the balcony with a date, but they're pretty much the only people in the entire theater. And the film has this really sad ending, um, and it's just lovely to watch. It, that that film looked looked tragic and and just compelling. And then to see her sitting there with tears in her eyes. But that was a lovely moment too. Right. So those are the scenes that I think the reasons why I felt like uh, Jean Desjardins' performance was so good. Like that heartbreak, you know. But I'm talking scenes. about but both of the scenes I mentioned. I'm I'm I really liked you know Berenice. Right. I mean she's somewhat. Exactly, but some I don't know how it that relates more to to Desjardins as it does to, to Berenice. Yeah, but they show him like getting the money together and trying to shoot this thing on his own and I, I don't know I, 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 like I, I really like Desjardins in this movie I, I, I really I truly think he's fantastic in it no I, I liked him I, I'm not saying I didn't like him I'm just kind of questioning the whole I, I, I have I had some trouble with the bandwagon I'm just saying that oh I know what you're saying it, yeah. I almost feel like yeah. the artist is kind of 2011 Slumdog Millionaire. See, that, 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 like, I can't get into that like kind of thing where it's like, oh, everyone, everyone likes it, so I need to find reasons to get away. I mean, I, I know, I know you're not trying to do that either, but it's just that's not something I'm taking into consideration at all. It's just I literally think that he's doing a great performance here. Well, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying it for that reason. I'm just saying I feel like, as in the case of Slumdog Millionaire a few years ago, you've got a, a solid movie that's you know that's it's very good, very enjoyable. You know, really solid, but it's got this huge bandwagon, the hype wagon behind it, and, and you're just thinking, well, you know, it, it, this is good, but it's it's not what they're saying it is, and that's just sort of my take on it, and I feel like that the artist Maybe. is sort of in no, that. No, I know what you mean. I, I did not like Slumdog Millionaire. I, I kind of, I, I understood the merits. There were cool scenes, and I just didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't, I just didn't get the hoopla. So I understand where you're coming from, and, I'll, and I, I almost, I'm almost ambivalent for liking the artist because of that bandwagon idea. But it, I couldn't help it. I just fell in love with it. <laughs> I wanted to not like it because I almost kind of wanted to be that detractor for the podcast mostly. But nope, couldn't help it. <laughs> I, I think a lot of it, it has to do when you see a film. I mean, if you like, 
the artist is something that we we're kind of connected to like what's being said about the film so we probably all went in there thinking oh this has already gotten a lot of advanced hype mm -hmm. i've talked to a lot of people a lot of people don't even haven't even heard of this film yet so if you walked into this film not knowing anything and you watched it i think you maybe you would walk out liking it more because you didn't know what to expect so i mean i like one of the hazards of our of our calling well, but I kind of I watched example Hugo today. I knew nothing about the movie other than that it starred. Oh, I'm sorry that it was directed by Martin Scorsese and it was set in Paris. I knew nothing and I walked out loving that movie. I heard it was getting See, acclaimed, and, and but I don't know why. I, I walked in already hearing that it was the greatest thing ever, and you know I walked out enjoying it, but I I wasn't quite as as ecstatic about it as as some people were. So I, sometimes I think advanced hype can hurt it a little bit. It colors mm -hmm. your perception. I actually saw Slumdog Millionaire um, at some advanced preview I did months as well. before, yeah. before it even came into theater. And I walked out there going, oh, my God, this is one of the greatest films I've seen. And, I mean, I, I it, it's probably not, you know, it's not the greatest film I've ever seen. But mm -hmm. it was one of my favorites of that year. And I after I saw it, I was telling everyone, I just saw this film. No one's even knowing about it yet. It's extraordinary. So I, I think part of it, your perception, you know, and I have I did hear a lot of advanced hype about the artist. But it pretty much for me, it, it met my expectations. I, I mm -hmm. kind of thought that it was. And, and I say that about Slumdog Millionaire, and I, I really like Slumdog Millionaire. I have some issues with it. I think it has some trouble in the third act, but I, you know, I really like the film. Mm -hmm. and, it, and actually, when it comes to the awards circuit for that film, I feel like the National Board of Reviews Award for Best Picture is a bit more authentic than the eventual Oscar win that it had. Because I feel like you know, the National Board kind of gave it their Best Picture Award before all of the you know, all of the, the the bandwagon hype machine started rolling until it Before that train the, started building steam, yeah. Exactly. And then when it the Oscar win was just pretty anticlimactic in a year when it really I don't think should have won. To me, I don't know. I I feel I I personally feel I do a good job of separating separating myself from hype when I go and go and see a movie, regardless of if it's negative or not. I try I feel like I tend to be very open minded about things because 'cause I've walked away feeling Less than positive about movies that have got great acclaim, and more than positive about movies that have been told to be terrible. The Descendants, for example, is a movie that I don't completely love as much as everyone does, and I walked in there knowing how much acclaim it was kind of getting, and I, I liked it. I didn't love it. Adam and Alan, I guess we were because we were so, we were all at the same screening when we saw The Artist, actually. Yes. Um, yes we, were, we were not in the same row though. We were not holding hands. I, I was. You were. I was. Yeah. I was right behind Alan. I was, no, holding, I was were, holding him yeah. right by the hair. Um, <laughs> There's a reason I don't cut it. Anyway, uh, someone brought this up at our screening, though, because there was a Q&A afterwards, and it involved uh, the presence of um, Bernard Herrmann's Vertigo score in the film. Uh, Mark, were you, oh, are you aware of that, of the, how the, that the fact that that score comes in during the film? Uh, no, I'm not, actually. That the Vertigo score comes in? I don't recall. I guess I don't, didn't recall it hearing it, but, I mean, there's a lot of music in that film so i i guess okay. i just noticed okay. it comes in towards the end and I, I was curious because at the screening adam and alan the, the, the sudden argument was made that i that if that the use of that score was better than in vertigo and so i was curious if you thought that was true okay um i have a confession i haven't seen vertigo okay so um yes <laughs> i I've, that's honest i like, I like vertigo seen it once i don't know the music particularly well so i didn't notice when the score popped. okay it, to, to me because it just it just came, it came up and i was 
I was like, yeah, okay, it's nice that it was in the movie and I can see why I was there. And they're like, tried to, they tried to use other music and they just found it wasn't fitting after using a brilliant score by Bernard Herrmann. But I, it just it became a little like too much to say, yeah, we used it better than them. And that, that, that just kind of stuck with me. Yeah, I would have... I would have handled that a little bit classier, but yeah. that, was, that was about it. I, I yeah, I, I wouldn't have known. <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> list of shame. Okay. No, I have I have quite a list of yeah, shame. Yeah, no, we no. all do. Um, okay, sorry. We've been talking about the artist and other things for quite a bit here. So, have we? But, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And uh, so let's try to assign it a rating now. And each week we try to go by a scale that determines when you should go and see this movie. So with that scale, we have IMAX theater. Dollar Theater, Netflix, HBO TV, you just kind of forget about it. So um, let's start while well, we started. Adam, where would you put it on that scale? Theater, go see it. Alan? Uh, IMAX. Or try to get a theater with a live orchestra. You... Yeah. <laughs> Mark? Yeah, IMAX. Uh, yeah, I would, hmm. I, I, yeah, I would say IMAX as well. It's just a fantastic, fantastic, likable, likable movie. I can't, but what the thing about this is just, it's such a, I think, just audi- all audiences can see this movie. Would, it, would you guys agree with me saying that? Oh, yeah. Well, sure, it's, I would say it's for all audiences, because I don't think everybody necessarily would like it. But I think, it, you know, it's, it's very inclusive. Yeah, it's not going to play to the Transformers crowd, but... Hey, I'm part of that Transformers crowd. Which is sad, crowd. because they, they, are, they really ought to go. <laughs> they need to see what a movie is. Exactly. I know the crowd you're talking about, but I, I, w- you know I would I consider mean. myself a part of that Transformers crowd <laughs> in terms of getting yeah, but I mean, enjoying that dumb fun. But yes, I mean, getting, getting what I do. Yes. So, so Aaron, I've just got to say this: uh, if you consider yourself a part of the Transformers crowd, list of shame. <laughs> okay, so we're we're gonna take a, a small break now, uh, you know, because we've been talking quite a bit here, and some of us have to maybe do a little shuffling. So hold on, and we'll be back soon. So now it's a little time. It's little. It's little, it's box office time. Uh, we didn't really predict box office last week, just because we well we weren't seeing any of the main releases coming out this week. So I, I kind of haphazardly guessed twenty five million for New Year's Eve, and it made about half that just to give some kind of perspective on what happened. New Year's Eve came in first place with thirteen million, which is rather low. Then Jonah Hills, as the actor that ate Jonah Hills, The Sitter came in. At 10 million, so on. Twilight, Muppets, Arthur Christmas, Hugo, so on and so forth. Not not much. Oh, actually, one thing of note: Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy was only on four screens this weekend, but made 300,000, which is about 75,000 per theater, and that's a pretty good average for being on just four theaters. It's a really. It's also good a pretty good movie. So there you go. 
It's a fantastic movie. Yep, that's yep, that's true. Okay, so let's move on to our retro review, where uh, each week we try to discuss a few films that we kind of thought of while watching our main feature of the week, and I'll start how we've been going. So, Adam, any movies that came to mind? I thought of Singing, singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. I know it's a bit of an obvious choice, but um, the whole movie within a movie, look at the, the craft the craft of acting, looking at, again, the transition from silent films uh, to, to talkies and whatnot, uh, that was the, the film that I, I thought of... Uh, First and foremost, Mark. Uh, yeah, I definitely thought of that, and then also Sunset Boulevard. The idea of a of a once former great star kind of entering into the sort of twilight of their career. Um, it's a little bit more immediate in the uh, in the artist, whereas in Sunset Boulevard, it's 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 over a span of many years. But um, I I definitely thought of that as well. Alan. Uh, yeah, I thought about Singing in the Rain and then Sunset Boulevard, and I kept thinking of um, different dance numbers in movies. Like in Brothers Bloom, there's that little dance number, and I just I kept thinking about the dancing and um, how it's been used lately. So like Black Swan and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, mostly like that. And then Leaving Las Vegas because he was, <laughs> yeah, you know, because he's kind of drinking his life away in Leaving Las Vegas, and then there's a bit of a desperation, almost uh, wanting to give up in the artist, and that reminded me of that. Nice pull. The uh, movie that came to mind for me, which is the movie I watched right away when I got home, actually that night, is uh, Punch Drunk Love. It's something. The way the um, the romance of sorts and the artist came about, something about that suggested Punch Drunk Love to me as I was watching the movie. Uh, Punch Drunk Love being the Paul Thomas Anderson movie with Adam Sandler and Emily Watson, and that's a fantastic. I film. love that movie a lot. I think it, I'm like, you know what? I'm declaring it right now. It's going on my list of favorite movies of all time. Yeah, there should be some kind of music for that, but we don't have any, so I'm just going to say it. it's it's going on my list. My very expansive list of favorite movies of all time, but I'm putting it up there. Just because every time I watch that movie, it brings just absolute joy to me. And it's such a weird movie, but it's such a great it's a great romantic story to me. And I got so, the, the kind of emotion I get from watching that movie came to mind when I was watching The Artist. And a lot of it plays similar to a silent film, the way music is used and emphasized over the actual kind of dialogue and, you know dialogue really so that's what came to mind uh something i wanted to bring up actually just because i know at least three of us have seen it uh, hugo in relation to the artist um it it's a um, as alan mentioned and i mentioned in my own review that there's there's been a lot of kind of nostalgia going around in, around in 2011 and i found it I, I thought the two were comparable in the way the the artist had the artist and hugo both involve the involve cinema involve the kind of the early days of cinema yeah. and how it factors in and i uh, in, th- in, th- in thinking about the artist i thought about how i i think i admire hugo more just in the in the kind of the, te- yeah. the technical craft involved in making that film and how it how it this in the same way that i hmm, here's a here's a pull alan in the same way that i think uh, super eight and attack the block are both handling kind of yeah. That old, like Super 8 kind of, it's very directly influenced by Spielberg's movies and that kind of the Amblin era, while Attack the Block kind of takes that and then expands upon it. I think the artist is very informed on and tries to be much like the silent film era, obviously, because it's a silent film, while Hugo kind of expands upon it. Actually, I think that's 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 kind of a perfect relationship. That's, that's astute and perfect, and I think Hugo and the artist would be a perfect double bill. Yeah. 
I think artists and then Hugo and then you kind of see where movies artists is kind of like this is what movies were back then the Hugo's like oh this is movie this is stuff about movies but done now with one of our art tours not yeah I think they're both very compliment like today I watched Hugo and um, I kept thinking about the artists and the aristocrats but that's for some that's for another reason <laughs> oh, the aristocrats but that's for something else <laughs> it's interesting too because the artist is a French film and Hugo takes place in Paris so there's like a connection there mm-hmm. oh yeah that too I was thinking about the terminal during the Hugo but that's another story yeah oh, I love it. I, uh, you haven't seen the Hugo yet right uh, you know what I am the lone person on this podcast who hasn't I am I'm definitely anticipating it though and just looking to get the time to go yeah. speaking of playing <laughs> it again we're going to move on into uh, Abe's favorite segment that he's not here to participate in this week and it is game time yep all of that means that it's game time. <laughs> and, um, yeah, um, I feel like we have enough people here that we're going to do a little more knockout this week. And um, have all of us participated in knockout in the past? I have not. I don't think so. Okay. Knockout. I think I have, but I don't remember how it Okay, goes. knockout is the game where one of us names either an actor or director, and the remaining three of us go around in a circle and one at a time um, supply the name of a film that that person was involved in. So, for oh. example, if Alan were to say, "What's one we've used?" Tim Burton, then we would, then I would say a Tim Burton film. Mark would say one. Adam would say one, and we keep going around until someone messes up, either either repeats one or can't think of some one in, in you know, two seconds or whatever. You get it? Alan? Yeah, I you get what I'm laying down. Quick question: but does it, it does it have to be a director or an actor? Either one. Okay. It's, Quick question: yes. um, Is the goal not to use? Uh, online help? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just check. <laughs> that Just check. Hey, if, if everyone else is cheating, I want to cheat too. Just ask me. <laughs> okay. That's not words of friend. Okay. So let me think of one, then I'll start it up. Okay. I got. I have one. So the order for this one will go Alan, Adam, Mark. Okay. Everyone got, okay. Everyone got that? Okay. Okay. Here it comes. Gary Oldman. <laughs> I just was thinking the same thing. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Anchor Taylor, Soldier Spy. Uh, Beethoven, Immortal Beloved. Uh, I'm going to so, go with the Harry Potter and the Death of the Hallows Part 2. Uh, Dark Knight. Uh, Fifth Element. Book of Eli. I'm out. Adam's out. Hannibal. Uh, 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 contender. Uh, JFK. Sid Nancy. I'm out. out? Okay, Alan. Yay! <laughs> you don't... Yeah, your guys weren't going to win that one. He's my favorite actor. There's no way. <laughs> All right, Alan, you have the honors now. Think of one, and we'll go myself, Mark, Adam. Oh, Paul Rudd. Oh, okay, I love you, man. Um, uh, Clueless. boy. I was going to say I love you, man, and so I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Already your brother. Uh, knocked up. Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. 40-year-old version. Um, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet. Boom. Uh, I, I'm out. <laughs> the Baz Luhrmann pull. Yeah, no, I love that you said plus. It made me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Mark, why don't you go? Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn? Vince Vaughn. The Lost World Jurassic Park. Uh, breakup. Swingers. Dodgeball. I suck at this game. Alan. Um, Anchorman. Clay Pigeons. 
uh, made psycho the cell perfect the cu- couple's retreat uh, uh, um, um, uh, what's that movie with the, with the lesbian return to paradise damn it that's what I was going to use <laughs> <laughs> oh you ah, calm down I can't I was so on, I was so on return to paradise I thought you were <laughs> boom okay Adam Max von Sydow <laughs> come on <laughs> you bastard <laughs> Okay, seventh seal. Really? We're going to... Okay, a di- diving bell on the butterfly. <laughs> Minority report. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, what what dreams may come? The Exorcist. Robin Hood. Needful Things. <laughs> oh, that's that movie of Ed Harris, too. I came back. I was like, what is that movie of Ed Harris? Um, God. The uh, Last Action Hero. Wolfman. Damn it. <laughs> uh, Hannah and her sisters. Um, is he in Strahd? No, he's in Talking. I'm out. <laughs> is it my turn? Yeah. Shutter Island. It, was Flash Gordon said? No. Okay, Flash Gordon. Mother. Um, yeah, I'm out. I got nothing. I can't remember things. That was a hard one. Yeah. yeah, it was. I sucked at this game. At least oh, I he is in Wild Strawberries. Damn it! I, I thought I, it too. <laughs> I was ready for dude. A, for a, for a, for a oh, mother! He's in Dune. I forgot Dune. Not mad. He's in Conan. Myself. He's in a lot of. Oh, he is in Conan. Conan. Yeah. He's in Through a Glass Darkly. He's in a lot of. I uh, love that film. He's, he's technically in Ghostbusters too. Winter. Yeah, I was noticing that Vigo's voice. Good for him. Judge Dredd. <laughs> Winter Light. Uh, he's apparently in Rush Hour Three. That's how I don't that, believe that, that movie is. <laughs> Polanski's in that movie. He, yes. I, so I do remember that. That's key. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Okay, so that was that was uh, games. And anyway, let's move on to uh, what we're going to talk about next week. Next week is a, a packed episode because Abe and myself, along with, I uh, guess, Scott Mendelson, we have this all planned out. We're going to talk about Ooh. Sherlock Holmes, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, and the Dark Knight Rises prologue, so uh, yeah, that's that's a packed show. But uh, with that, we're going to predict the the four of us right now. We're going to predict the box office for Sherlock Holmes: A Game of Shadows next week. And uh, let me start this off with a little history on what Sherlock Holmes did the first one, first time around. It made sixty-two million its opening weekend and bought and totaled out at a uh, two hundred and nine. Domestically, so um, with that said, what? So it opened with what did they open with? 62 it opened with sixty-two or? million. Wow. Yeah, it, it was quite it was quite strong. On it did that much money? Christ, Good for them. Christmas Day on a uh, two thousand nine. So uh, this one we got a little little you know little couple weeks before Christmas, but it also has um, Mission Impossible and somewhat limited release because it's only in IMAX theaters next week. So with all that said let's let's start let's start with uh, Alan what do you think Sherlock Holmes is gonna do how much did it make 62 65 62 and it's open 62 I think it's gonna open at 70 number one I got, I'll, I'll just go there okay I'm gonna shoot I'm gonna shoot a little a little a little uh a little lower I'm gonna say 67 that's where I'm going I'm gonna go first place with 35. I don't think it's going to do that great. Okay. 
What, what did you say, Adam? I mean, not I said, Adam. Uh, Aaron. I said, what did you I said say? Aaron? 67. 67. I'll say 71. That's, that's fair. That's, that's, that's completely fair. I, I basically have claimed everything over 70. As, as all our loyal listeners know, we are strict adherents to the Price is Right rules on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, so we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. You know, I, I will say, I don't know if you mentioned this, but uh, the Chipmunks sequel... Oh my god, I forgot. Out. The Chipmunks sequel does come out next weekend as well. So yeah, that, and, I, and it never ceases oh. to how well those horrible films do, like Beverly Hills Chihuahua and... The Smurfs and all of those things—they always do so with a G-force. They're always horrible, and they always make a ton of money. I never get it. You've, you've made it. Wait, you, you guys are telling me you're not gonna go to the midnight show? Mark, you've made it. You no, made a I good mean, point there. I kind of—I almost kind of forgot about that. So, but that's good. That's a good thing to keep in mind. Seriously, let's let's take the hummus. Let's get down there and let's eat. Some, let's come on, have fun. Always with the hummus. It's delicious. Anyway, that'll do it. That's good. That's shut up. <laughs> I'm, I'm, ending, I'm ending the show here. Okay. So that's going to do it this week for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodazeek.com, where you can find all my written reviews, as well as whysoblue.com for Blu-ray reviews and uh, other articles from the guys over there at that site. You can also follow me at twitter.com slash Aaron's PS3. Uh, Adam? You can find more of my work at Things I Know About the Movies, which can be found at www.everythingyoualwayswantedtoknow.blogspot.com, at moviesmackdown.com, and at twitter.com slash ilTwinAnarchist. Uh, Mark? You can find more of my work at fastfilmreviews.wordpress.com. That's fastfilmreviews, all one word. And uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Mark underscore Hoban. And Alan? Hi, you can find more of my um, witticisms on Twitter at twitter.com backslash MrDVD. That's MRDVD. Or you can find me on Instagram, heart palpitations, one word. Um, if not, I should be having a blog up pretty soon. I just haven't really figured out a good theme. Cool. And um, I, I'd mention where you can find our my my usual co-host, Abe, at you know walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. That's two animals, walrusmoose. But he never updates his Twitter anyway, so who cares, really? And uh, music, for this he has a Twitter. <laughs> yeah. music for this episode will be provided by the Artist Soundtrack. And uh, make sure to check out our other shows. We are on iTunes. We have all our episodes available there. As well as on hhwlod.com, where you can check out our show, as well as the other shows that are on that network, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, Legion of Dudes, Half Hour Wasted, and other fun shows that are all about comics and games and fun stuff. You can also find some of the episodes at outnow.podomatic.com, along with some of the more exclusive ones, a little, a few little bonus extras. And uh, you can email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com, and also feel free to like our page at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. You know, we constantly update there, and we did have a contest recently that was incredibly easy to participate in just by liking our page and listening to the show. So easy way to, you know, have fun. We like having fun with our listeners, and it's certainly, you know, Fun for everybody when you win cool stuff and get to be a part of this fun show. Speaking of fun show, I had a fun time with you guys today, talking at length. Yeah, this about was a, you're just this swell, Aaron. Good movie to discuss, and yeah, a great talk from all of you. Yeah, cool. It's good company. Yeah. And uh, yeah, with that said, until next week, uh, we're out of here, guys. So bye, 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 bye. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Merry, Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah to all of you. <laughs> That's how we end.